We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bearport Podcast. The Chicago Bears are now 5-6. and six. That is five straight losses for them as they have dropped in the NFC playoff picture. And another tough loss, this one at the expense of the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football, a national embarrassment. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined by Aaron Lemming, and we're going to break that game down for you here, break down the struggles of this franchise, talk a little bit. Um, a preview into the off season, and then we also have a special guest on to talk about Detroit Lions, the Bears' Week 13 um, uh, opponent. Aaron, I don't know what's to be said, man, but this is getting old. The Bears are just not a good football team, and I think Sunday night was one of those games where it kind of just all fell apart from them for them um, offensively and, and now especially defense. And I mean, you look at all three phases. Special teams was the best phase, and all it was was pretty much they didn't get any penalties, and Cairo Santos made his one field goal attempt. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, not only are they not a good football team, they're actually a really bad football team. I tweeted this out, and I, and I mean it. I mean, it's not the emotion of the game, because quite frankly, like I was telling you before we start recording this, I've got a lot of other stuff going on right now. It's just one of those things. The Bears are bad. Okay, whatever. It's not like past years where I'm, like, really irritated about it all week. It is what it is. I mean, they're just not a good football team. Uh, you know, but it's just, I I honestly believe, like I said, I tweeted this out. I honestly believe they're one of the three worst football teams in the league. I won't say that they're worse than the Jets, but they're really damn bad. I mean, if you take out the five and one start, I mean, they're terrible. They are absolutely terrible. And really even looking at the five and one start, I mean, really the only game 
that they won decisively was the Panthers game. I mean, it's it's one of those, and even well, I guess the the Giants game too. But I mean, those were two games where they jumped out and they almost blew it in the end, and they they held on. But I mean, you look at all the other games, and every single one of them were comebacks. I mean, two of them were improbable comebacks in back to back weeks. Uh, you know, there were a lot of national people saying that this is fool's gold. This five one start was fool's gold. Well, clearly that was true, and clearly this team. I would say this team's even worse than a lot of people thought. I think a lot of people are like, oh, they're definitely not a 5-1 team, you know, maybe a 500 team. Well, I, I think clearly at this point in time, the only thing making them look better than they really are right now is the fact that they got off to such a good start, man. It's just – it's rough to watch. And, again, like we've talked about the last few weeks, it's just a situation where, objectively speaking, I, I just – I don't – I mean, there's probably going to be changes, but I, I just don't know in the short term, you know, when you look at 2021, 2022, maybe even 2023, I don't know how much better this team can get and how many changes they can actually make outside of the draft right now. They're just, they're in a really tough position. Ryan Pace went forward on a budget this year and he struck out swinging with a lot of the moves that he made, and now he's put them in an even worse position moving forward, regardless of if he's a GM come, you know, after week 17 or not. Yeah, and obviously right now, you know, you see a couple teams firing their GM, you see a couple teams firing their head coaches around the league, and many are like, well, why can't the Bears do that? But they're not really in a position to. I mean, they're five and six. Sure, they've lost five straight. And when they were five and one, they probably weren't as good um, as that five and one record. They're not really in a position to do that midseason just because they have five games left and they're, what, a game, a game and a half out of the playoffs. I'm not advocating that they're going to go to the playoffs or anything like that. But you're sending an even worse message in my eyes if, you know, to the players that, oh, hey, we have no hope in you, um, despite being only a game out of the playoffs with, you know, four games that are, let's be honest, they're winnable games. I mean, Detroit, Minnesota, Houston, Jacksonville, they're winnable. They're not as, as winnable as we thought earlier in the year, but they're games that the Bears could win. So they're not going to make that move. That's going to shift over into the offseason. And, you know, for me, I kind of see this thing starting to snowball downhill. And, you know, you watch the game against the Packers, and it's right, man. For me, it was coaching, coaching 101. What did the Packers do so well against the Bears? Well, they recognized Akeem Hicks was out. And Tony Dungy talked with us on the broadcast. He said Matt LaFleur has play calls that he will not call if Akeem Hicks is in the game. And he has play calls that he'll call if Akeem Hicks is not playing in the game. And the Packers went right up the middle on the Bears. Without Eddie Goldman, without Akeem Hicks, the Bears could not stop the rushing attack of Green Bay. And to kind of sprinkle it on and snowball it on, the Bears were piss-poor tackling team on Sunday night. That was give-up effort. The, the Jamal Williams run, where it was how about like 19, 20 yards or whatever it was in the red zone, was some of the worst tackling I've seen by Bears defense in a very long time. So when things start to kind of snowball and have that effect, it could get ugly. And I don't think we're going to have this bad of a performance from the defense again this year, maybe when they play the Packers again. But but for me, it just goes back to that coaching. Like the Packers knew the Bears' weaknesses. They went right at Danny Trevathan. How many times did we see Devontae Adams lined up on uh, on Buster Screen or even Jalen Johnson at times? That's what the Packers did most of the game. And on defense, you know, the Packers' defense is not very good. Let's be real here. There's Packers fans and Packers writers that will tell you that defense is awful. 
they were very bad uh, defending the run, and the Bears only had 11 carries. Now, part of that's only their own fault. Or David Montgomery had 11 carries. Part of that's their own fault because they're playing from behind so much. But when, when you have an, a weakness like that, you have to expose it. And for me, that didn't happen. The Bears were not prepared coming into this game. And the sad thing is, is they were coming off a bye week, which means they had an extra seven days to prepare for the Packers, and they stunk it up. Well, and, and Matt Nagy is 0-3 after bye weeks now. I mean, it, it's crazy to look at the trends that Andy Reid has as a head coach. Great offense, innovative um, you know, really good skill position guys usually, you know, makes it work with whatever he's got around him, can always piece together an offensive line. And then you look at a guy like Matt Nagy where things are really falling apart. And honestly, it's kind of crazy because if, you know, anybody who's followed the Eagles this year and even kind of last year, I mean, yeah, they made the playoffs last year, but that was because Dallas was so damn bad. I mean, that that's kind of been the story for the Eagles the last few years, or they'd be catching a lot more flack too. But I mean, there's some talk that Doug Peterson may be out. And it's very interesting to me how, we continue, when you look at the Bears, you continue to see the same issues over and over and over. And part of that is the quarterback situation is terrible. Part of that's because their offensive line situation is terrible. Part of that is just because the offense is not very good, but it's a conglomeration of different things. And then you have the defense go out and lay an egg like that on national television. Again, like you call it in the very beginning of the podcast when we started this entire thing. National embarrassment. That's what it was. The, the score, you know, the score may have only been 16 points. It was a hell of a lot worse than that. And anybody who watched the game knew it was a hell of a lot worse than that. Anybody who watched the game knows Trubisky didn't have a good game. Uh, you know, every, you know, anybody who watched the game knows that the offense, you know, didn't score, a, you know, a good amount of points. It was all garbage time. You know, it's just, but that's kind of the thing. That's been the trend over the last few weeks that we've seen from this team where the wheels have fallen off. And you look at it, it's like even the game against Minnesota um, before the bye week, Minnesota did not play good at all. The Bears just simply played much worse. And that's been the consistent factor through the last multiple games where they just look worse and worse and worse. They look like they're not ready to play on a weekly basis. Coaching mistakes are becoming more of an issue. Um, you know, personnel issues are becoming more of an issue. There's just so many different things right now, and it's kind of crazy because if we really think about it, even if the Bears were to lose out and they end up going 5-11, and 11, um, you know, and, and then you compare that to, you know, the 8-8 eight and eight last year and then the 12-4 and four the year before that, it's like – Matt Nagy's overall coaching record would still technically be one game over 500 through three years. So kind of going back to your point of, well, you know, it, it would, you don't fight, let's just put it this way. You don't fire a regime that has had, you know, at least in, at least in terms of recent history, probably the better success that we've seen since the Levy and, and Jerry Angelo era, um, you know, and the, you know, in, basically in that time frame. So it's like, you don't fire these guys, um, mid-season because one the Bears just don't do that as an organization if they were going to do that as an organization they would have done that with Mark Trestman you know they would have done that with John Fox I mean but but at the same time it's it's a situation where you kind of have to delicately balance you know is this fixable what's the issue I think clearly to me one of the biggest issues is Ryan Pace I tried to support Ryan Pace through a lot here's the thing man I mean they've just they, he's made too many mistakes uh, in terms of evaluation he's missed too many times at quarterback he's missed too many times at tight end he's he basically hasn't sunk any resources at all when you're talking about the draft into their offensive line especially their offensive tackle okay yeah they have two second round picks at, at guard 
they haven't done anything at tackle, um, you know, in the early rounds of the draft. You look at what they've spent money-wise, they really haven't done anything either. It's just – it's a conglomeration of things from Ryan Pace where you say, okay, man, like, you, you, you tore the team completely down. You get the benefit of the doubt. You build it back up. Their window opened in 2018. A lot of people would say their window opened early, a year early in 2018. Now we're sitting at the end of 2020 thinking – how does this team salvage this window? Can they salvage this window? Because they have key pieces on that defense that are getting older. Cleo Mack's getting older. Keem Hicks is getting older. Kyle Fuller's getting older. Danny Trevathan is not close to the same player, and they've got him locked down for two more years after this year. It's You start looking at the different pieces that they have around, and all of a sudden you're starting to see where there's going to be issues within the next few years. And even if you can get the offense, the offense fixed over the next year or two, then you got to figure out a way to be able to supplement talent because that's the thing. I mean, the Bears just lack depth all over the roster right now. And that's the thing. They go on, they sign a guy like Jimmy Graham. They go on, they sign a guy like Robert Quinn. But then they don't focus on the depth. You have guys like Rashad Cower that have, have started and played way too much this year. You signed – a swing tackle and Jason Spriggs, who you don't even trust to be your swing tackle. You move your, your guard, your starting right guard out to right tackle because you do not trust your swing tackle. That it's just, it's stuff like that where you look at it and they were obvious issues. The last few off seasons, there's been obvious issues the last few off seasons that he hasn't addressed. And he's done other things. Like I said, the Robert Quinn thing, the Jimmy Graham thing, sinking money and you know, bigger money in the veteran players at different positions where it just didn't make sense. They put a lot of money into the defense and now you're looking at the offense and there's just a lot of issues. So again, it's a delicate situation, but I think when you look at it, if there's one guy that has to go, and I think if one guy goes, both guys go, or at least that very worst, if Ryan Pace is fired, you bring in a GM and you say, you make the decision. So if he wants to keep Matt Nagy, that's great. If he doesn't, you let him get his own guy. I mean, that's just as simple as that. But I, I think at this point, regardless of how they finish out, um, I, cause I, I don't think they're going to win. I don't think they're going to go five and zero and make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to go four and one and make the playoffs. I, I think it, the bears are going to be lucky to go two and three the rest of the rest of the way out, even with the way that their schedule looks, um, you know, but again, it, it's a tough situation because you look at it and since 2010, or, you know, just going back over the last decade, I mean, they're going to end up, if Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy get fired, that will be four head coach, or sorry, four GMs and five head coaches over a decade, man. I mean, that's just, that is not the sign of a good organization. And you need stability, but at the same time, if you don't have the right guys, it's just, it's tough. But again, um, you know, looking back to the Mark Trestman situation and Phil Emery, uh, one of the big breaking points was being nationally embarrassed on national TV against what do you know, the Packers. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's tough. I mean, Matt Nagy's done pretty dang good against the division. I think he's done some good things. I still think he can be a good head coach, but again, uh, I think Ryan Pace is a bigger issue here. And if he's going to get fired and you know, you want to keep Matt Nagy around or at least see if the new GM is going to want him. But, man, it's just – it's a tough situation because even if you look at the quarterback situation, you know, if you draft a quarterback, do you really want a regime going into a make-it-or-break-it year and you spend, a, you know, a top 10 to top 15 pick on a quarterback and then force a new regime the next year, assuming that things didn't go well, um, to come in and basically overtake that? I mean, we've seen that multiple times with multiple different organizations where it just didn't work out. I mean, we're, we're watching it happen with the Jets right now. We're watching it happen with multiple different – teams that have had you know over the last 10 or 15 years the Bears are in a really tough position and it's kind of one of those things to me where I think if they're going to hit the reset button 
then they got to hit it hard. And they, and I, when I mean they got to hit it hard, I mean they've got to completely restructure their entire organization. They've got to get Ted Phillips in, 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 you know, in a marketing role or whatever the hell it is. Get the, get the president title off his name so fans can stop blaming him. Bring in a real president that understands how a sports organization should work. Make the right hire at GM. Make the right hire at head coach. And really do this thing the right way. If you're, if you're really going to blow this up, then blow it the hell up. But I, I, I don't – again, I don't think we're to that point yet. They're five and six. Honestly, man, I, I feel like if they end up going three and two the rest of the way and finish eight and eight, I think that they're going to hold on to their jobs. I think a lot is going to come down to these last five games and how they finish. But, man, if – if Sunday night was any any indication, these last two games were any indication of how the Bears are going to finish out the season, uh, they're going to be really lucky to win a game. I mean, even that game against Jacksonville, I just watched them last this last weekend against uh, Cleveland. They gave Cleveland a good run for their money with Mike Glenn in that quarterback. I mean, the Bears, they, there's no guaranteed wins on that schedule, even for as, as soft as that schedule would be for most teams right now. Yeah, and as I mentioned, I mean, these games back – you know, when this team was 5-1, and one, you looked at, at the Minnesota game a couple of weeks ago, you looked at the upcoming Minnesota game, the Detroit game, Houston-Jacksonville, and you thought, yeah, Bears are probably going to win those games and be in contention, you know, for one of the, the, the you know, top seed in the NFC or, or at least get a home playoff game. That's just completely out the window now. You know, my fear is when you look at this team, you know, can they bounce back against the Lions and can they bounce back again against Houston and win that game? Maybe they beat the Vikings and they find themselves, you know, at that eight and uh, six mark and maybe they lose the final two or even go one and one and end up nine and seven. They're probably not going to the playoffs. And for me, that, that feels like you're going to bring back Matt Nagy. You're going to bring back Ryan Pace. It's going to be a very weird offseason as it is with the salary cap uh, number kind of just floating around with no team uh, revenue from fans. So we have to take all that into consideration as well. I'm at the point where right now for me, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace getting fired would, would have to take like, you know, a one in four finish, maybe a two and three finish and everything just kind of continuing to snowball and kind of go to hell, especially with the offense. Now, will that happen? I don't know, because we're going to get Mitchell Trubisky again against the Detroit Lions. And, you know, he's pretty much playing not for his Bears future, but he's pretty much playing for a job next year somewhere else as kind of an audition um, to go out there and get paid. So that's another interesting aspect. And I want to talk a little bit more about the Bears' struggles in Green Bay. Before we do that, though, let's hit our first break of the show. Every day can bring changes, challenges, and opportunities that can also change your personal or business financial goals and priorities. As a true partner, Sandy Spring Bank can make it all a bit easier. Someone who really listens, understands, and then creates solutions in hard times and good times. We'll always strive to be your advocate today and every day. That's real banking for real life and real business. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash real member FDIC. Welcome back in here to the Bear Report Podcast. And we give you a little talk about the offseason. Plenty more offseason talk coming as the weeks go on. It'll be a very, very interesting um, offseason with how the Bears are going to handle um, potential coaching changes, potential front office shakeups. And essentially, you know, in my eyes, they really need to, to overhaul everything because for me, it's the same old thing. You're going the same Ferris wheel and you're getting off the same damn stop and doing the same thing over and over again. You get a couple of years of hope, and then it all goes downhill, and you restart. There needs to be big changes um, with this franchise. But looking at that Sunday night football game, 
I I want to think that this team is pissed off. The, the players, the coaches, um, the, the front office, the franchise as a whole, because you cannot go out there and get embarrassed by a rival on Sunday night football like that and be outplayed in all three phases and not feel like crap. And, and you know, Matt Nagy spoke and said some leaders talked after the game. And he, Matt Nagy had an interesting comment calling out his defense actually on Monday, saying that they need to play better. That can't happen again. For me, I feel like this team has to be pissed off. And if they're not, you know, there's something wrong there. Yeah, I, you know, man, I, I just, again, they just, I, I don't understand. It's like they come out with no juice. And it doesn't matter if it's the offense starting with the ball or if it's defense starting with the ball. It just seems like everything goes wrong for them right out of the gate. I mean, like I said, the, the only two games that they've had a handle on the entire time have been the Giants and the Panthers. Those are the two games, and they had – Scoring the scoring drive right off the bat um, in, the, in the Giants game, and then you know, kind of the same thing with Carolina, where they they forced the the turnover with the interception and they punched it in the end zone, and they kind of took control. But I mean, outside of that, I mean, the Bears have consistently gone down all year, and you know what's crazy is this was actually the first half that they've had in multiple games where they've even scored an offensive touchdown. I mean, that's just crazy, but it's. Again, it seems like more of a mentality, and you're seeing the frustration on the sidelines. You're seeing guys that just don't look overly motivated to be out there playing football right now. And for as much investment as this team has, both on the offense and defensive side of the ball, and for as much talent – I mean, the the Bears don't lack talent. I mean, they lack depth in in certain areas, and they lack good – starting quality in certain areas but the bears don't have a bad roster i mean we're not talking about the jets here we're not talking about some of these other bad teams like the jaguars they have talent but it's just there's so many things wrong with this team right now where it's just a broken record every single game but it seems like the broken it's a broken record but it seems to just continually get worse and i just i don't understand it i don't understand where the wind went out of the sails and where the fire from the team went and where just playing decently sound football. I mean, even going back to last year, I mean, there were issues and the offense was a big issue, but the bears didn't weren't as poorly coached. They weren't as poorly, uh, you know, lacking of detail and different things. There's just a lot of issues this year that we haven't seen before. And it just doesn't make a ton of sense because a lot of their roster is still the same. Yeah, and, you know, they're going to have some very tough decisions to make on, on players as well. They can make some moves to free up cap space. But let's be realistic. This is not going to be, you know, uh, a year where they're going to have a lot of cap money to go out and spend. And when you look, I mean, who knows? Right now they're drafting at, at 14. It's technically 13 because the tiebreaker really doesn't kick in until they play the Vikings again. Um, but, they, I mean, they could be drafting at 16. They could be drafting at 17. Heck, the best case scenario is probably to lose out and be drafting top 10 um, or just right at that number 10, number 11 spot. Um, And your biggest need, you need players on the offensive line at tackle. You essentially need two tackles, and you need another interior offensive lineman, depending on what Sam Mustafer can give you. Um, If he can break out as a center, there you go. Then you have your two inside uh, guards with Cody White here and James Daniels. But you also need a quarterback. And – you know, this draft is very top-heavy with the top four or five guys, but if they all go top 10, top 12, and you're stuck outside there, you're going to be risking, you know, future assets to go up and, and get the guy you think is going to change your franchise. That didn't really work out well for Ryan Pace last time. 
so yeah, it's you know I'm I'm with you, man. It just looked like the team was flat coming out last Sunday night against the Packers. It looked like they just didn't want to be there. And, you know, you could see that in their tackling. You could see that in their kind of coverage mistakes that they were having, things like that. It, it was just an all-around crap performance from a team that had a chance to kind of turn things around and, and maybe make a statement. They couldn't do that. And, you know, now it just feels like, you know, it feels like an embarrassment to have to lose to the Packers again. And how many more times are we going to go through this? I mean, I'm sure you saw the stat where it was um, the Bears at one time led this series 81 to 57 against the Packers. And the Packers' win on Sunday night was the 100th win in the series for them. They were actually the first team to get to 100 wins despite the Bears having an 81 to 57 lead. And I know, you know, two, having two Hall of Fame quarterbacks over the last 28, 29 years will do that in, in Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Meanwhile, the Bears haven't found any quarterback in that span. I mean, their best quarterback has been pretty much Jay Cutler in that span. It's just embarrassing. That just cannot happen. And to have it happen against your rivals, man, it's just it, – it's frustrating for me. It is. And, again, I mean, you know, the Bears and the Packers are one of the, one of the best rivalry in all sports, not just football and all sports in general. And – it hasn't been a rivalry lately. It's just as simple as that. I mean, it's been a lot of lopsided games where the Packers are either winning or blowing them out. And it gets really old, especially these games on national TV where it's just, it's just not going their way, man. It's so frustrating. It's just so frustrating, especially when you have games like this against the Packers out of all teams where you're getting blown out on national TV, where, you know, their offense and Aaron Rodgers is just picking you apart from play one on, I mean, that game, basically once the game started, the game was over. I mean, the, the Packers just completely dominated that game in every aspect. And it's so frustrating as a fan to continually watch this and continually watch the same issues over and over and over and over. And I mean, the bears have got to do something to break the cycle. I don't know what it is. Um, it's just, man, it's, it's really frustrating. It's kind of one of those, here we go again, feelings, but Again, I mean, what can he do? I guess at least they got the Lions this week. But even that, again, there's no guaranteed win at this point on the Bears' schedule. And even if the Bears do win, is it really, you know, is it really beneficial to them at this point in time? Yeah, and it all begins, you know, we'll see Sunday with uh, the Detroit Lions uh, coming to Soldier Field in, in Week 13, a, a team that the Bears beat in comeback fashion in Week 1, back when things were, you know, looking bright and everything was good for the Bears. We previewed that game and got some insight on the recent changes by the Detroit Lions as they fired Matt Patricia, their head coach, and general manager Bob Quinn is um, Jeff Risden of the Lions Wire, joined us for a good interview. He, you know, broke it all down from the Lions side of things and how they're kind of just pressing the reset button again for their franchise and what direction they may be heading. Listen to that interview. We'll be right back after this. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one -on -one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome into the Bear Report podcast. We're joined by a special guest. He covers the Detroit Lions for the Lions Wire. And 
We are joined now by Jeff Risden. And Jeff, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join us to preview this upcoming week 13 matchup between uh, the Chicago Bears and, and Detroit Lions. How you doing, man? I'm doing very good. I'm trying to keep track of who's still on my team. So uh, it's, it's, it's a fun week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Lions made some news um, earlier in the week here with uh, the firing of their GM, Bob Quinn, and head coach, Matt Patricia. And I guess we'll start right there because I think that's a very intriguing um, topic. I mean, what exactly, from, from what you know, what exactly led to that firing? I know they were embarrassed on, on Thanksgiving and they just not have, have lived up to the standards of what Matt Patricia was supposed to bring to this franchise. Yeah, it, there was no real hope that it was going to get better under him. And uh, the, the Thanksgiving Day Massacre, um, the, the third one of those in a row, by the way, and the Bears were responsible for one of those, thank you very much, uh, was, uh, was too much for the new ownership. Um, it's, it's a weird dynamic. Our owner is Sheila Ford Hamp, who is the daughter of Martha Ford. Uh, that, that transitioned last, at the end of last season. Um, and this is Sheila putting her stamp on the franchise and saying that this isn't good enough. And uh, it's, it's a, been a very, very strongly supported move um, in the media, in the fan base. And from what I gather, the locker room isn't all that upset to have uh, Matt Patricia gone either. So uh, it was a combination of things. Patricia, he dug himself a really bad hole. He got off onto a terrible start. Um, and to his credit, he did try to improve. But there was just – it just wasn't happening. When, you, when, you're, when you're four and seven – you're not beating good teams. You're you're boring, and I think that's that's the number one indictment is that this is the most boring team in the NFL. And I say that as a fan. Uh, I can't imagine what like the casual fan who might want to watch it would would think of this team. They're the slowest team in the NFL by design, and they're just so uninventive and uncreative that it was uh, it was it was well past time, and we're we're all pretty happy that it, the time has come. Well, it's funny because you, you just said that they're the most boring team in the NFL. And, you know, I've watched a few Lions games, but I've watched every Bears game this year. And, man, I'll tell you what, they've – especially since they've stopped coming back and winning games in the last few minutes of the game, they've just been getting blown out in their offenses and moving the ball, scoring points. I mean, they're right up there. So, I mean, we're, we're, yeah. we're sitting here trying to preview a game, and it's like we're both sitting here. It's like, okay, this is going to be a long one. This is going to be a bad one. But – I just kind of want to, you know, before we get into the game, because let's be honest here. I mean, the Bears are five and six, but they're pretty much out of it. The Lions, obviously, we just got done kind of covering how, I mean, they're, they're done this year as well. But I'm kind of curious to get your perspective on what's next for the Lions. I mean, not, not just this season, but I'm going into the offseason with the GM, head coach. What do you think they're going to be looking for? And the other question is, is Matt Stafford still going to be on this team come 2021? You know, that, that's the question that, that it, it came up in, uh, in the firing press conference with the owner. Um, she left it open to the new regime to decide. Now, it will be very difficult to get Matthew Stafford's contract off the books in 2021, but it could be done, especially if there's a trade involved. And I, I have to imagine that, that Matthew Stafford, look, he's 32 years old. He does have some, some injuries of late, and he's not been as good in 2020 as he was in 2019 or 2018, but he's still, my goodness, he – there are few people who have ever thrown the football as pretty as Matthew Stafford. And he's still a really good quarterback. He is certainly not the reason why the lions are struggling. Um, he could be better, but uh, that, that that's going to be a, a very close thing to watch because they didn't mandate that, okay, you have to keep Stafford for X amount of time, or we're getting rid of him to, to let you bring in your own guy that they're, they're sort of playing it by ear to see who the new GM and who the new head coach will be. I think that's probably a fairly smart decision. I tend to believe he will be the quarterback in 2021 
Beyond that, I kind of think that it's going to go after next year. His contract is a lot easier to get out of if they want to. Um, there's another year on after after that. There's actually two, but one of them is voidable. Um, that that is pretty simple to get out of. Uh, we have definitely questions about Stafford. Uh, the top four wide receivers on this team are all free agents at the end of the year, too. That's one of the reasons why the GM is gone, because there was just no foresight there. Kenny Galladay is a free agent. Marvin Jones is a free agent. Uh, I would expect Marvin to probably retire rather than sign somewhere else. If he, if he wants to keep playing, he'll come back to Detroit. Um, he loves Detroit, but uh, he's, he is certainly not the receiver that he was a couple of years ago. Uh, the knee injuries and father time have definitely caught up with him. Uh, the defense. So this defense is Matt Patricia's defense. They tailored people to his specific style. They are a hybrid three, four, four, three, but they're very big at linebacker. The smallest linebacker is Christian Jones, who you guys know well. Um, and he's might also be the best, which also tells you where the Lions defense is. Uh, it's been a, a real struggle for with speed, with, with lateral you know, range. They don't cover particularly well. Jamie Collins is uh, inconsistent. I'll, I'll, I'll be charitable to him on it. Um, he does actually have some good games, so I won't, won't hit him too hard on that. But there's a lot of turnover that needs to happen in, in, in the middle of the defense. Uh, the safeties, Will Harris, I, 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 I'm still wondering if he's ever played football before, honestly. Every, every week is an adventure. I'm um, watching him try to figure things out, uh, and and he's you know a recent third round pick. They have, they do have some building blocks, but uh, it's it's going to be hard to to pick and around them. And and the fact that this this defense specifically is so tailored to what Matt Patricia wanted, it's going to be a pretty big rebuild on the defensive side of the ball. And the secondary is okay. They have some young corners. They have some young safeties. I think Tracy Walker is a good candidate to bounce back. Although he's playing terrible this year. Uh, so they have some things, but they got to get a pass rush. They don't have anybody outside of Romeo Aquara who wins on a regular basis, and that's uh, it's very tough to win when your cornerbacks can't really run and your defensive line doesn't get any pressure. It's that that's that's the biggest. Honestly, it's surprising that they're four and seven, and they should probably be worse than that. I think the three twelve and one that they were last year is probably more closer to where they are than than the four and seven this year. You know, in starting the season in week one, um, the Bears and Lions met, and it took a, a dramatic four or second half comeback for the Bears to kind of pull that one out under Mitch Trubisky. But since then, what has kind of changed with the Lions outside of the obvious coaching staff uh, changes in the front office uh, shakeup there? Anything stood out to you about this team in particular? Any maybe any standouts? Any injury news? Yeah, so uh, there are a lot of injuries. Trey Flowers is the team's best defensive lineman. He's out. Danny Shelton is the team's second-best defensive lineman. He's out. Uh, they're both on injured reserve. They have been playing more. Um, Amani Oruwarie has stepped up as the number one cornerback. He's, he's actually pretty good. He, he's, he's, a, he's a viable NFL starter, and I think he'd be a great number two cornerback. Uh, he's probably punching a little bit above his weight class as the number one, but he, he's capable. Uh, it's, Jeff Okuda is the, the, the number three overall pick, the first-round rookie. He's fantastic against the run, but you don't draft a first-round cornerback to play the run all that well. He's, uh, he's going to get tested a lot. Uh, they want to see what he can do for the, the remaining five games of the season. Offensively, DeAndre Swift has been much more involved. He may or may not play this week, though. That's, that's going to be a, a closely guarded secret. He did pr – I, I believe he practiced today. Uh, if not, he will – 
he will at least he'll, figure on him being listed as questionable for the game and it being a true game time decision. He had a concussion that he suffered under mysterious circumstances at the team facilities a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and we're not really sure what's going on with that, to be honest with you. But he has he's taken over as the lead back when he was healthy and looked pretty good. Uh, offensive line has had some shakeups. Hal Vitae, uh, Big V, who he actually didn't play in the first game, um, is back on injured reserve again. Uh, it's the the line is is good, but they're not they're not necessarily as good as the sum of their parts. Uh, center Frank right now playing really well, but uh, he he had a he had a rough week against Houston. Um, if you watched that game, you saw that. You know, it, with all the injuries they've had, Galladay's been in and out of the lineup. He's missed the last couple of weeks. Danny Amendola has missed the last couple of weeks. He should be back this week. You know, just the myriad injuries, it makes it really hard to to build anything, build any continuity or momentum with or chemistry with any of the players. So it's been, you know, just sort of surviving and, and figuring out how to get, you know, 45 guys out on the field every Sunday. That's, that's been a challenge for him, quite honestly. Well, kind of moving over to the defense side of the ball. I mean, one of the one of the big things that I've kind of noticed from the Lions is obviously their struggles there. And one of the big things the Bears have really struggled with is their offense. And that's going to be a very interesting matchup because at least historically with Matt Nagy and Matt Patricia, obviously Matt Patricia is no longer here. Uh, Trubisky's had a pretty good run at it. But, you know, as Bears fans know, I mean, the quarterback situation has been a complete dumpster fire. Um, shouldn't really be a surprise to anybody at this point, And I don't think, you know, it really is. But what should we expect to see from the Lions defense on Sunday? Because I know one of the big things that Trubisky has really excelled with, especially playing the Lions, has been how much the Lions have played in man coverage. That's been a strength of Trubisky since basically he came out of the draft is he's always been able to read man coverage much better than he's been able to read zone. So what can we expect to see as Bears fans uh, from this Lions defense on Sunday? All right. So the new defensive coordinator is Corey Unlin. He came from Philadelphia where he worked with Jim Schwartz um, and, and in that coaching tree. Uh, so he likes, he plays more cover three than, than what Patricia's defense did. Um, the, the mix between zone and man is something that we're all very curious to see. The, the cornerbacks themselves are better at playing zone, so we're hoping that they're less stubborn now and will allow them to play more zone. Um, the, the Thanksgiving game is a great example. It's third and 11, and you're playing man coverage on Will Fuller, who's one of the fastest wide receivers in the league. You've got Amani Arawarie on him, a good, a good cornerback. He's lined up in press position but doesn't press and just tries to turn and run with him. Um, that happens way too much with this Detroit defense. So we're hoping that they'll be a little more passive, more uh, dropping people into zone, being smarter in zone. One of the issues that they have with playing more zone is that their safeties are not good at it. Deron Harmon, Will Harris, and Tracy Walker, they're all actually better at man. So that, that, that sort of complicates things. But I do hope that we see more zone, specifically on the outside of the field, uh, because Trubisky – what, what kills me as, as a Lions fan watching Trubisky is he's so good with that pump fake um, and it, it gets, it gets the linebackers to bite and then they're not fast enough to catch him when he takes off. And he, he's, you know, he might be a better running back than he is quarterback, quite frankly. And that's, uh, that, that's something that he's killed the Lions with. And I, I do expect him to have some success again, running at the edges of the defense, because if he gets into open space, this is not a good tackling team. It's not a quick team. Uh, I, I think little like jets, Jet sweeps, things like that, are going to be real problematic for, for the Lions. 
Um, but again, we're, with the new coordinator, we're hoping that there's more blitzing. We're hoping that there's more A-gap pressure. That's something that they do very rarely. Even though Jared Davis, that's like the only thing that he does at, a, at an NFL level is blitz the A-gap. Um, and they ask him to do it about once every two weeks. Uh, just They were just a poorly coached team, guys. It's really tough to get past that. Uh, we're happy that it's over, and we're hopeful that uh, that Corey Unlin shows us something a little bit more more cogent on defense because uh, it, it doesn't get much worse than what we've been. Yeah, just five more games to go, and then uh, it'll be all over for you guys. You guys can kind of uh, get into a fun off season. Same with us as well, though. But, you know, kind of flipping it over, the Bears defense is coming off their worst performance in a couple years. They gave up 41 to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, and they really couldn't stop anyone without Akeem Hicks. Um, Hicks wasn't out there practicing today, but Matt Nagy said he's getting better. For the Lions to win this game on offense, what are they going to have to do, and how are they going to attack this Bears defense? You know, I, I think from what I saw from the, the, the Bears-Packers game, and I, it was on in the background, but I wasn't necessarily paying close attention to it. It seemed like they were not figuring out where the blocks were going to be coming from. Uh, and and that's, that's something that the Lions, their offensive line does have that kind of ability. You know, uh, are they going to trap? Are they going to, you know, do some pulls, things like that? It, and, you know, just overpowering the front line as well. The, the Lions offensive line can do that. So I do expect healthy dose of the power run game. You know, you might see some G power or something like that with Adrian Peterson, who's still kind of got it. I don't want to say he's still got it, but he's, uh, he, he's a freak of nature. Um, he, he's not as good as DeAndre Swift. And if Swift comes back, I think that helps. I think you're going to see a lot of carry on Johnson on, on things like uh, circle routes and, and, you know, little, little Eagle routes and things like that. He can hit on those. Uh, you're going to see a lot of TJ Hawkinson, uh, doing the seam, um, he's he has become the best wide, the best receiving option for the team. He leads the team in targets. He leads the team in receptions. Uh, he's also really good in the red zone. So I expect them to attack uh, and and hopefully keep some pressure off uh, of Stafford and and of and off the the, the offensive tackles because uh, you know the Bears still have a, a fearsome pass rush. Uh, and I think that, that forcing them out of that by making them play more of the run defense the way that the Green Bay did is, is going to be a plan of attack. Uh, you might see some, you might see more fullback um, that the Lions want to do. That's something that Daryl Bevel has kind of done, and he's the interim coach now. He has been the offensive coordinator. They don't really have a good one. The, the fullback is Jason Cabinda, who's a linebacker who converted, um, and he's he's actually not bad at it. But I, you might see a little bit more of him trying to really shorten the game. You know, you know, attack the the underbelly and then try to take some shots to, to Hawkinson and, and maybe to, to a speed guy like Marvin Hall down the sidelines uh, with, with Stafford uncorking it uh, off play action and things like that. I think I think that's the the basic plan of attack that most of us expect out of Detroit. One of the last questions I had for you is, you, you, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, you, you know, Adrian Peterson and. And to a certain extent, I understood the signing when it happened. But I'm just kind of curious from your perspective. It seemed like there for a while, it's like you, you have a guy, a higher draft pick and carry on Johnson. You had a higher draft pick, obviously, this last year in DeAndre Swift. And it seemed like it took forever for them to actually get Swift involved. And once they did, he's been playing really good football. So I'm just kind of curious from your perspective, what the heck was going on with that? Why, why play Adrian Peterson as much as, as much as they did early on? when they had a guy like Swift and even had a guy like Johnson in the backfield? It's that's, that's a great question uh, that, that unfortunately Matt Patricia will never be able to answer. Uh, and he was asked that in a few press conferences and he was, 
he was really good at the filibuster answer of of taking a a simple question like that and answering for like eight minutes and not saying anything. Uh, and Daryl Bevel's already been better than that, so we're happy about that. Now Swift Swift dropped the pass that would have won Week One, and I think they worried about putting too much on his plate after that. Um, again, that's just my speculation. I don't know that. Uh, Carryon Johnson was better in the passing game early on. He is a phenomenal pass protector uh, and a pretty good receiver. So I think that that sort of took away from it a little bit. But uh, it's it, they like the they have liked anyways the running back by committee to keep everybody fresh. Uh, they don't want to run anybody in the ground, and it, 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 it's a very weird situation. They did, by the way, they did the same thing when Carryon Johnson came in. Um, they they. they insisted on running LeGarrette Blunt, who who averaged a league-worst 2.7 yards per carry, and he got twice the amount of carries that Johnson did. Uh, so it, this is an ongoing issue that we just never figured out. Um, it, it was It's one of the reasons why we have a new coaching staff and, and we'll have a new regime next year. And my final question to kind of wrap things up, unless, you know, Aaron had something else, but how good do you, do you feel about the Lions' future going into this offseason, you know, with the moves that they've made so far? I'm happy that they made the choice when they did. They are in a very precarious spot, though, because they have a lot of talent that that is leaving um, and also could be leaving with Stafford and, and you know, all, all the wide receivers. Uh, Peterson's probably going to be gone. Uh, you've got some some defensive backs that are they're coming up. The, if they get it right, uh, they could wind up turning it around pretty quickly because there is enough appreciable talent in some spots to make a turnaround uh, in, in, like in the way that Miami has done. Uh, I think that's sort of the blueprint, even though ironically the, the Lions are going away from that, that model. Uh, they're not bereft of talent, but they've got to get it right and they've got to have a plan and it's got, it's got to be a plan that you can sell to the players um, and, and, and attract outside talent in. And I, look, I was not a Matt Patricia fan when they hired him. I wanted Mike Vrabel. I have to, look at look at Tennessee's success all the time and that bugs me uh but uh it's uh I I don't think that they're necessarily going to bottom out but I worry that they're not going to go far enough down where they're getting like this is a team that's going to pick between seven and ten probably in the draft I don't know what you do with that uh, they haven't necessarily had a lot of hits in that range in, in recent times it's been sort of a bad area where they take a lot of tight ends hopefully they don't do that again they, they have to get it right this offseason. They have to get this hiring right. If they do, I do think that there's a chance for them to rebound. You know, Stafford buys in. You know, Swift keeps coming back. You know, they, they, they somehow get Kenny Galladay back and, and also add a lot of speed at wide receiver, which can be done in this draft. You know, the skeleton is there to, to put some meat on those bones and get back into being a, a playoff contending team. Um, not, a, not a contender, but a team that contends for the playoffs pretty quickly but I can also see it like if, if they do move on from Stafford or if it doesn't work out with him and the new coaching staff and, and the defense remains boring and stagnant the way it is they're going to be getting the number one or number two pick in 2021 or 2022 rather and that's uh I'm, I'm tired of being at the bottom guys <laughs> I'm ready to be a little up, more upward mobile than that <laughs> Aaron did you have anything else for him no, not at all. I mean, it's like we kind of talked about. It's just it's it's not a very it's not going to be a very fun matchup for either team. And for as much crap as you know, I give a lot of Lions fans and talk. I mean, if for as frustrated as you are, I mean, a lot of Bears fans are in the same spot right now. You know, it's it's one of those things where it seems like consistently, the Packers have obviously been there, um, and the Vikings have 
pretty consistently been there as well. But it seems like a lot of the time the Bears and the Lions have kind of been dueling it out for third and fourth place. And, you know, I, I definitely share the sentiment of, you know, tired of being at the bottom. And it's yeah. going to be very interesting to see what happens uh, with the Bears, depending on how they finish out the season and what they end up doing. Because these two teams could be in very similar situations in terms of looking for brand new regimes and having, um, you know, maybe not a crazy amount of resources. I don't think any team's going to have a crazy amount of resources this offseason. Um, and especially in a division where I think Minnesota's going to be a lot better next year. And, and the Packers are still a really good team. So I, I hear you. I mean, as, as much as, like I said, as much as I go back and forth with Lions fans all the time on Twitter and have fun with it, it's still a tough position for both teams <laughs> to be in. And it's probably not going to be a very fun game to watch on Sunday. Yeah, the, the, I, I've noticed it, especially in like the last like year and a half, that the Lions and – and Bears fans, we do like to get after one another, but I think there's sort of this, like, brotherhood, like, can we just be done with the Packers already? You know, I, I think that that's a prevailing sentiment, and I like it. Um, it's, uh, you know, just looking at the Bears, fr from a Lions perspective, it's so maddening that we can't beat Mitchell Trubisky. Um, and, and I think the focus on that takes away – the Bears do have a really good defense. I, I, like, I like what I see from the Bears' defense – and I wonder, you know, if, if it looks like Vic Fangio is going to be out in Denver, maybe he'll come back and run the defense again. That, that, that certainly would be appealing to me if I were a Bears fan. But, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's time, man. It's time for an upheaval. I'm tired of Green Bay at the top. Um, I, I, I don't hate the Vikings. Uh, I, so, true, true, I live in, in Kirk Cousins' hometown, Holland, Michigan. He is worshipped here. It's hard to not like him. Um, he's actually playing really well this year. And I agree, Aaron, that I think they are going to spike up a little bit next year. Uh, God, that's frustrating. It would be nice if, if one of these two teams climbed up for more than a year and more than one playoff game every three or four years. That'd be, that'd be great. I think, I think both fan bases would be pretty happy about that, quite honestly. Yeah, Jeff, thank you so much for uh, joining us here. Uh, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? And where can everyone read your work at? Yeah, sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jeff Risen. It's R-I-S-D-O-N. Try to keep it simple like that. Uh, you can find my work at Lions Wire. Uh, from USA Today, use the app and you wind up getting fewer ads. So that's, that's something to consider uh, if, if you're of that kind. Uh, I also happen to manage the Browns wire. Um, so I'm a, I, I cover a lot of losing uh, and you can find work there. <laughs> uh, I'm very happy with them this year. They're, they're, they're my light and shining armor for yeah. the first time in a long time. Uh, and they're actually really, really good and fun. Uh, so so I, I try to spend as much time as I can watching them. Uh, yeah, but I, you can always find me on Twitter there. And, and again, check out the wires. Uh, and I also, I write for Real GM, more of a general uh, NFL and NFL draft stuff. And I appreciate everybody checking that out. Uh, football at realgm.com. Uh, I've been doing that for a long time. And I, I, I thank them so much for supporting me. Awesome. Good stuff, man. Thank you very much. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And once again, that was our interview with Jeff Risden of the Lions Wire. He does a good job covering the Lions. Also covers the Browns for the Browns Wire. And like I said, man, the week 13 starts to stretch of the final five games of the season for the Chicago Bears. They sit at five and six on the outside looking in in the playoff chase. They pretty much need 
a lot of things to go their way for them to sneak in. I just don't see that happening. And right now, I guess, you know, it feels like for me, you know, reading fans posts and looking on Twitter, people are kind of split, you know, they, some people want the big changes and they want this to be an 0-5 finish where the Bears are forced to fire Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace and potentially other moves, you know, in the front office. And there are some people that still think they have a chance. Um, this game is going to tell us a lot. I think if the Bears win this game, I think they can rally off a couple wins and kind of hang in that playoff picture. I don't think that's the smartest move because you're ruining your draft position. But on the flip side, they lose this game, and it's pretty much uh, still all downhill from here. And when they do take the field, it's going to be Mitchell Trubisky on um, Sunday night or Sunday afternoon. It's not a night game. Thank God it's not a night game. Could you imagine those two teams uh, <laughs> duking it out at nighttime and primetime? That'd be that'd be god awful. But it will be Mitch Trubisky again. Um, Nick Foles did return to practice, but you know he was limited, and Trubisky gets another shot. Um, on Sunday. And for me, I think you feel the same. So I'll ask you, you know, is it more fun to watch Mitchell Trubisky run this offense than Nick Foles? Absolutely. I mean, both quarterbacks suck at this point. Neither one of these quarterbacks should be starting week one for them in 2021, but at least Trubisky provides some excitement. I mean, that's from some from the up and down of his overall performance and just from his athleticism standpoint. I mean, there's just, it, it makes the offense, slightly more exciting the offense is still bad but it makes it slightly more exciting and it, it's it's better than watching a statue and Nick Foles stand back there in the pocket and just take sacks and just take hits and just make weird decisions you know at least with a guy like Trubisky you're getting the weird and bad decisions but at least you're still getting some fun throws and some fun plays I mean it's just I can't believe we're at this point right now where we're five games left in the season after a five and one start and we're talking about which quarterback is more exciting out of two really bad quarterbacks that's that just shows you how rough how not rough ideal. of a go the season has been. Yeah, not not ideal at all. And and I agree with you, man. I you know Nick Foles is going to be on this roster next year. I don't want him to be, but it, it, that's the reality. He's going to be on the roster. Will he be the starter? I I don't know. It depends what they do um, with the draft. But yeah, this, I'd rather see Mitch Trubisky go out there. At least it gives you some mobility in the pocket. And, and like we were talking before the show started, I mean. He's going to have those bad mistakes like throwing in a double coverage, throwing in a triple coverage. But he's also going to make make those plays where it's like, oh, wow, he does have potential. And maybe he can, you know, kind of get on a roll here. And then he, he throws an interception or, or fumbles the football. Um, I'll let you go first with your, with your prediction this week, Aaron, and your X Factor. 27-20 over the Lions. Uh, going to be an ugly game. Like Jeff said, both of these teams are really damn boring. Both of these teams are pretty damn bad. Um, you know, it's just – I don't know. I mean, it, until until the Lions win again against the Bears, um, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, pick against the Bears in a situation like this. As far as my X factor goes – I think it's going to come down to getting after Matthew Stafford. I mean, we know the Lions' defense is bad. We know the Bears' offense is bad. But we know Trubisky usually plays well against the Lions. Um, but I think a lot of this is going to come down to how much they can get after Matt Stafford and how much they can slow down this Lions' offense. I mean, the Lions still have some talent offensively, uh, like Jeff pointed out. I mean, they're going to be targeting Hawkinson a lot. 
Um, you know, there, there's going to be opportunities for them to score points. The Bears have a really good defense. They had a down game. I'm, I'm not going to stay here and pretend like they just randomly fell off the cliff and that's who the Bears defense is now because we know that's not the case. But they have to get after the quarterback. That's something they haven't been doing lately. That's something that they need to do against Matt Stafford. So that's going to be my X factor, and that's going to be my prediction. I'm not overly confident in either one of those, but I guess we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, I do think the Bears will rebound as well. I, I think they'll win this game 23-17. Um, to 17. Uh, I think it'll be kind of close till the end, but Chicago do, Chicago's defense will make a stand and, and do just enough uh, to pull out the victory. You know, my X factor is going to be the offensive line. I'm, I'm looking at this offensive line that got reshuffled before last week's game, and, you know, they, they moved a Fetty outside to right tackle. They moved Whitehair to guard and Sam Musford to center. And overall, I thought they weren't bad. I thought they were a little better in run blocking situations. Pass protecting, they weren't very good. Uh, most of that was from Charles Leno's battling toe injury. He was just really bad again, um, constantly getting beat. And, you know, Preston Smith was not playing well at all this season for Green Bay, and he had a monster game against the Bears, primarily going up against Charles Leno. They're on that left side. So I'm going to be looking at that. Ken Sam Mustafer has some better snaps. Uh, he had a couple low snaps in that game um, on, on Sunday night against the Packers. And just seeing how well that offensive line gels, if they play well, I'll start to feel a little better about potentially having Mustafer be the starting center and keeping Daniels at guard and Whitehair at guard next season. Uh, while adding two tackles. So that's what I'm going to look forward to, and I'm going to predict the Bears win as well. Where can everyone follow you on Twitter at, Aaron? Yeah, you could find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work at thebearreport.com. Just don't expect it to be overly positive right now, but, <laughs> hey, you can, still, you can still find it. Yeah, yeah, you can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at Just Bear Report. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. And as always, we'll be back next week with a brand-new episode. Until then, everyone, please stay safe. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.